I ask that as I've I've said before because um, I don't I don't allow just I need to know who's on here. Let's just put it that way. Um, it's for the, the protection of us all, and um, and just for the uh, for the for the Lord's blessing on on this gathering. Amen. Because. <clears throat> What happens is when there are infiltrators, um, and I, I don't doubt that that can happen or might even happen in the future. Um, whenever there are infiltrators, they they seek to disrupt meetings, and um, and uh, they can negate and uh, really come against the anointing. Amen and. We want to eliminate any of that. Uh, there's this brother that I know. He he held um, this de- this meeting for deliverance, and there was a number of people on. And <clears throat> well, some of the pe- there were witches and warlocks that infiltrated, and they hacked his Zoom, and they started putting like pentagrams on the back screen and like just crazy stuff. Um. And they started putting like vulgar stuff um, as he was on Zoom live. And so it just threw everything off. So, um, and so me asking that, you know, it's, it sounds like an abrupt question, right? Like, you know, it's, it's not polite. Like, hey, who are you? <laughs> right? It's like, it's not like a pastor greeting you like here's a coffee and here's a donut welcome <laughs> you know, right um but <clears throat> it's always it's always the people that actually love um that may not always seem the nicest but are the ones that are the most protective um because i i'd rather look like a jerk i'd rather look like i ain't even christian if it means protecting christians you know what i mean so, um, that doesn't mean like, you know, go out and sin. Um, but it just means like, you know, I'm, I'm willing to not look the nicest if it means to protect people. Um, so, and I just don't care about my image like that. Um, I care about my character more than I do my reputation, if that makes sense. Amen. Some people are so concerned about their reputation, but don't care about their character. Because your character is who you are before God. And so what does it matter if before God you're nobody in the sense that you're living a corrupt lifestyle but your reputation says you're something else. Amen? So we have to make sure that we have character. (coughs) And so welcome for those of you that just joined. (coughs) Excuse me. I want to ask that we um, eliminate any distractions, uh, as I, as I say, as a, a customary reminder, let us, um, get off social media, let us, um, silence any notifications, especially on our phones, amen, um, y'all following that, 
Um, again, let me repeat myself. Let's uh, silence our phones, put silence those notifications, get off Instagram, Messenger, all of that stuff. Um, you know, imagine this. Let, let's just imagine real quickly. Let's imagine a, a priest, he goes into the temple and he's about to sacrifice a sheep and then he's like, oh, hold on, let me, uh, let me just, let me just check my, my Instagram real quick. Let me see this notification. Let me see it. It doesn't, you can't really imagine that, can you? Right? He's about to, you know, slice the neck of a, of a sheep in order to sacrifice it unto the Lord. And there he is just, he's on his, you know, uh, checking notifications. It doesn't make sense. Um, and well, because we, we, we worship the Lord and as we worship, um, we're consecrating everything to God. And so we're channeling all that we are. We're channeling our, our, um, our attention. We're channeling our devotion. We're channeling it all unto the Lord. And we are saying in effect that he is worthy of our attention. He's worthy of our time. He's worthy of all of that. Um, now, especially for example, you know, one of the things is, um, you know, cause I work at a school and I, when it comes to the students, I refuse to speak unless they all pay attention. And so I'll just say, I'll wait. Like if one's goofing off and there's a group and I need to say something very important to them, I just, I'll wait because it, so you can't be, you know, bouncing a basketball or doing all this other stuff because there's an important message that you have to convey, right? And especially the, the, the greater the message is, the greater that we must pay heed to, right? It says, we must therefore give them more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Amen? So... <clears throat> If the writer of Hebrews is saying that we should give the more earnest heed, lest at any time we should let these things slip, you know that we can allow the gospel to slip from us. We can allow the word of the Lord to slip from us. You know, why does the Bible say in uh, Samuel, it says, Samuel did not allow one of the words of the Lord to fall to the ground. In other words, he didn't let these things slip. And yet we... If we're not careful, we can allow the word of the Lord to slip. Um, we, we can allow all that we've heard and what we've, we can allow it to <coughs> fall out of our understanding. We can allow it to fall, it, fall out of our hearts. But David, um, he says, um, I have kept your word in my heart lest I sin, uh, let, so to, as to prevent me from sinning against you. Right? He says, I've hid your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. <clears throat> well, you, you know what it means to hide? It means that you have to treasure. You have to treasure it. You don't hide things that are of no value. I, I, I don't say to myself, well, you know, let me go and hide this penny. Because a penny has virtually no value. Now I'm going to hide $100 or I'm going to hide something, you know, my laptop. I'm going to hide my phone. I'm going to hide those things. Because I don't want any thief to steal those things because it costs too much. Amen. So let me ask you this. How, how valuable is the word of the Lord that God has spoken to you directly? 
How valuable is that? And are you going to allow a thief to steal steal that? Are you going to allow a robber to rob you of what God has spoken to you? Or are you going to keep it with all vigilance? Are you going to keep it with all diligence? Amen. You know, I've learned that if, if you're lazy, you won't keep anything that God has given you. It takes endurance. It takes... Um, you, you can't just, you know, expect that, you know, uh, God has said something and that therefore it will inevitably happen in your life. Because the devil seeks to still kill and destroy, does he not? What blessings does God seek to provide you, right? What, what, what is it the Lord wants to bring to your life and are you keeping it? Amen. And, and it's not suggestive that God is somehow not powerful. God is all powerful. But we, on the other hand, we don't yield ourselves to the one who is all powerful. Amen. So if there is any failure, the failure isn't with the Lord. The failure is with us. Because we haven't listened to his precepts. We haven't listened to his word. We haven't listened to what he wants us to do. Amen. <coughs> In fact, let, let us uh let's turn to Joshua chapter one. Joshua chapter 1 verse 7. <clears throat> well, let's pray. Father, right now we come to the throne of grace, boldly that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you would join this uh, holy gathering. Father, that you would join this holy meeting. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would speak this day, that you would convict hearts this day, that you would have your way this day. Father, we pray for the elimination of all that would seek to rob us of your word. We pray for the elimination of all that would seek to subtract, O oh God, from that which you desire to accomplish in your holy people this day. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that the anointing would be present to heal, to make whole, to challenge, to convict, to exhort us into the will of God. We pray, Father, for prophetic insight. We pray, O Lord, for uh, understanding. We pray, God, that we would be admonished, admonished in all of your ways, O God, and that that which we are desiring at your hand will be accomplished this day. Father, we pray in Jesus' name for the destruction of every weapon that Satan has fashioned against us, Lord. Destroy his weaponry. Destroy his ammunition. Destroy, O oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. And Father, we ask, Lord, that we would be matured, that we would grow, 
that we, O oh Father, would be conformed to the image of your Son. Hallelujah. That we would be conformed to his image in a greater way, O oh Lord. That we would no longer reflect our own hearts, our own desires, our own lives, our own image. But we would reflect the image of the Son of God. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus, already, Lord, for your power. Father, I pray that you would use me as a very oracle of God. That, that Lord, there would be an administration of thus saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for your power. I sense your anointing already, God. Father, I pray, Lord, I, I ask that every obstacle, Lord, every mountain that is in the life of your people, God, would be destroyed with the hammer of your word, would be destroyed with the sword of your word, that would be destroyed, O oh God, that with the axe of your word, that would be laid at the roots and be tossed into the fire, God. Everything, Lord, that would subtract, Lord, that would seek to draw men away from you and your will, Lord, we ask, Father, for its removal in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for the spirit of prophecy or to aid and illumine the exposition of your word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God in the highest. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. <coughs> Thank you, Father. Praise God. Amen. Amen. You know, I've said this once. Uh, <coughs> I've said it again. I'll say it a thousand times. Um, we, we need the anointing. We need the anointing on our lives. We need the, we need God anointed, uh, preaching. And, um, it's, it's assuring when we gather and we pray that the presence of the Holy Spirit is, is here. Um, see the, the Holy Spirit doesn't bless what he doesn't do. Do you know that? And so the, the presence of the Holy Spirit will only be present if you're doing what the Holy Spirit told you to do. And this is why I've said this, and I need you guys to get this, because I've been criticized for being a critical person. Oh, he's just critical. Um, because, you know, he points out Mike Todd, he points out all these guys. Well, I need, I need to point them out because I, I need you to see that that's just hype. And it's, it's not so much about them as a person as much as it is about a principle. It's about a reality. If you are unable to discern between the anointing and hype, my suspicion is that you've never had received the, you, you never received the presence of God. You never experienced the presence of God. If you don't know the difference between men who, who use these props and hype everybody up, which is a form of manipulation. They harp on your soul. <coughs> and when, when God is present. And I don't mean to be, you know, hypercritical. Uh, but if, if I am, then so be it. Because I want the anointing. And my brothers and sisters, um, that definitionally is, the, it is what a warlock is. What a false prophet is, is someone that draws you away from the will of the Lord. And see, when, when men are pointing you to the will of the Lord, 
the Holy Spirit will be present in that message. Right? <clears throat> but if if people are even using the Bible for their topical sermons, but they're 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 not drawing people to Christ, God won't be present in what they're saying. Because it's displeasing to God. How many how many scribes and how many priests, how many Pharisees in Jesus' day were expounding the law, but God's presence wasn't there? But they, yet they were teaching the law. Right? So it's not enough for the Bible to be open. That's not enough. It, they did it every Saturday in the synagogue. Right? So, but with that said, let, let us go to Joshua chapter 1 verse 7. It says, be strong and very courageous and be careful to obey the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go? Amen. So, let us take a look at verse 7. First of all, he's telling them to be strong. <coughs> Wherever, If he's telling him he can be strong, guess what that means? That means you can be weak. Right? Now, the, the Christian life is a paradox. Because on the one hand, it tells you to relinquish all your strength, to dispose of all your strength, right? And that in order to be wise, you must be a fool. In order to be strong, you must be weak, right? But the weakness here that that is is shunned isn't the sort of weakness that that you would that is weak in uh in god it's weak in yourself right so the the sort of strength that the bible despises is the strength of men and it doesn't mean you don't you, you can't work out right it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be in shape that that you, you should you know be as skinny as possible and have no strength no it's talking about strength in the uh, as confidence and the strength of men and the ability of men uh, disassociated from god apart from the help and the aid of God, right? But the, so when Joshua's, when, when the word of the Lord is coming to Joshua and says, be strong, he's not saying be strong in yourself, right? That sort of uh, macho man talk, be strong, you know? Uh, it, 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 but, he, you know, the thing about that is that everybody has a, has a breaking point. And so no matter, even if you're the most stout of men, the strongest of men, uh, you are incapable of enduring that which is spiritual, right? If all you are is a natural man, you can't endure the spiritual. And so therefore you must be strong spiritually that you may be able to endure spiritual battles. Right? <clears throat> so, his command here is to be strong. Not in himself. Strong in the Lord. To be strong in 
God. Now, that is suggestive of the fact that you can be weak in God. It doesn't even mean that you aren't alive in Christ. You're alive, but you're weak. Does it mean that you're dead in sin? You're alive unto God, but you're weak like a babe. All you can carry is a milk bottle. You can't carry any any loads. You can't carry any weight. And it's fine if you just gave your life to Christ, if you're weak, if you're weak in the Lord. It's okay for a time, but that ought not to be what is characteristic of you after five years, after three, even three years. You should not remain a babe. And one of the things that enables you to acclimate to greater strength is obedience. You cannot live a disobedient life and think that you will obtain power from God. Strength from God. That's why, you know, if you run around a disobedient believer, you'll always hear about how weak they are, how much they're struggling, how much they can't get ahead in life. I'm not saying problems don't come. I'm not, but that seems to be the only thing that comes out of their mouth. Hey, how you doing, brother? And you're happy. How you doing, sister? Oh, well, you know, it's just one of those days. It's like, <laughs> all right, you know. Now, um, I'm not saying don't be there for a brother or sister that's going through something. But hey, after a while, what that is suggesting is that there is an area of your life that you're not yielding to the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost, He convicts of weakness. He convicts of powerlessness. He convicts of all of that so that He may envelop you with His power. See, the, the crucified life is not a life of weakness. The crucified, that is the entry gate. That is the entry gate unto eternal life. But after the crucifixion comes the resurrection. And Christ has administered resurrection power unto his holy people so that you may live a resurrected life. But if you're always denying the Lord, not obeying his voice, then you cannot obtain that resurrection power to enable you to live above the infirmities, to live above the obstacles, to live above the tribulation, because you haven't yet clothed yourself with crucifixion. So crucifixion is the denial of self, the denial of the world, the denial of all that uh, um, assails you. And once you become crucified, then you can walk in the resurrection power of the Spirit. <clears throat> but he's saying, be strong. Like uh, Paul says in Ephesians, he says, Therefore, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Right? And he says, and very courageous. Well, in order to be courageous, you need faith. Do you not? You need faith to be courageous. Amen. And, well, faith in what? Uh, you know, let, let's, let's hold our place there. You go to Mark 11. 
<coughs> Mark 11, verse 22. <coughs> Mark 11, verse 22. Jesus says, Have faith in God, Jesus answered. So have faith in who? Have faith in God. Did he say, you know, have faith in yourself? No. See, that's one of the most annoying things. I've heard preachers say, have faith in yourself. What? Do do, do you read the Bible? I, I don't see that verse anywhere. Um, you know, you, they probably read it in 2 Deceptions chapter 2. <laughs> they read it in, uh, you know, uh, anyways. Um have faith in God. He didn't say have faith in yourself. <clears throat> Self-help verse 24. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes what they say will happen, it will be done for them. <clears throat> Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And so you, you notice that Jesus... He doesn't dis disconnect our faith in God to prayer. You know, anybody who says they have faith in God but are prayerless are liars. Amen. <clears throat> Why? Because prayer is the language of faith. Amen. Prayer is the language of faith. And so, a faith is never silent. Does it not say in Romans, it says, if... It says, for in your heart one believes unto salvation. And, and it says, and it says, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and if you confess the Lord Jesus. So faith is never absent from confession, and confession is never absent from faith. Amen. So the, faith always uses words. It wasn't not David who says, I believe, therefore I have spoken. And Paul using is quoting David. It says, therefore, having the same spirit of faith, we say as David, I believe, therefore, I spoke. Right? You know why? Because <clears throat> the Holy Ghost inside of you wells up like rivers, wells up, he bubbles up, and he has to express his own word. He has to express his own will. That's why when you're drawing from another source, all you can do is curse. So you're using an F word every other phrase. <clears throat> or you're like Balaam. You try to curse the people of God. Right? All, all that comes out of your mouth are curses. All that comes out of your mouth are complaints. You know why? Because that's the language of all that is contrary to faith. And faith isn't this thing that you work yourself up in a frenzy. Or, or you just, you know, it's like, I got to have more faith. I got to have more faith. I got to, it don't work that way. It is stemmed from intimacy with the Holy Ghost. You have to discern his voice. And in discerning of his voice, and he speaks to you, and he, because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of faith. <clears throat> and so when he speaks to you, because faith isn't a baseless thing. It is not it's not planted in midair. It's based upon either what's revealed in the text or what the Holy Spirit speaks to you personally. 
And when the spirit of faith injects in your heart and it wells up, you're like, oh, God, God is saying this or God wants me to do this. And if, if he wants me to do this, therefore I will have faith in God. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it will happen. I don't know when it will happen. But my faith is in God. He has spoken. Therefore, I, I, am, I am transferring all of my confidence unto him. And that if I hearken unto his voice, he will do it for me. Amen. So, but faith, you know, because sometimes people are like, oh, well, you know, if I just think about faith enough. No, Paul says, I serve the Lord with my spirit. He doesn't say I serve the Lord with my intellect. Because some people try to logically deduce this scripture to this scripture. Like, okay, well, if, if, you know, oh, right here, if I just analyze this, I'll have more faith. No, it's not about analyzation. It's, analyzation is necessary for faith. But faith is beyond analyzation. It's about revelation. Amen. You have to get that. Because sometimes people are reading a verse and they're like, I don't believe it. And they they see it there and they're like, I know I should believe it, but I don't. And it's because you don't, ha you don't commune with the Holy Ghost enough to discern his voice. L let me, let me, let me give this, let me point this out. You you want you know <clears throat> the natural world is always a victim to the spiritual always a victim men do not have it within themselves to resist spirits they're too weak then now that's whether whether we're abiding in the holy ghost or demon possessed why that's important is because you know the lgbt people you would think, like, how do you not see the logic? Like, a man can't be a woman, and a woman can't be a man. You know why? Because the force of those demonic lies are so powerful that it defies logic to them. Amen. The veil is greater than the logic. The deception, the manipulation, the witchcraft is greater than the logic. So how is it that you can trust God without seeing things logically? Is because the Holy Ghost whom you abide in and whom abides in you, you know his voice so much so that even whatever you see is speaking against what God has said, you still choose to believe God anyways. Amen. Hallelujah. But guess what? If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, if you the Paul, you know, he says, be being filled with the Holy Ghost. That's what Paul says in Ephesians. It's a continuous verb there. So it's suggestive of the fact that just because you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost before, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost before, doesn't mean that you shouldn't be continually filled. Amen. And this is what people don't like. You know, they don't like prayer. Look, if, if, if at all, uh, you know, I speak of prayer and you get offended, that means that you're still in the flesh. Oh, you know, here, here, here we go. Prayer, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Bible says it. I don't do very much of it, but yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> now, you know, I, I know people think that this is wrong, but sometimes I like to get under the skin of the religious 
Because my commission is to afflict the comfortable and to comfort the afflicted. So if you're comfortable in your flesh, I'll afflict you. Because you should not be comfortable. There should be, you know why? It wasn't a David, wasn't David comfortable before he fell? He didn't go out to war. Amen. You know, as a man who loves the presence of God, I will never argue against anybody who harps on prayer. Never. Like what? Yeah, let's pray. Amen. Praise God. Let's seek the face of the Lord. You know why? Because men can't showcase their talents. They can't boast of themselves in prayer. Either it's all of God or and none of you, or it's nothing, right? What, how, how are you going to show off there? What, praying in tongues? Nobody even understands what's being said. So, uh, see, what benefit are you procuring for yourself unless it is spiritual, right? Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Um, and so as long as I live, I will never downplay, uh, never downplay prayer, never downgrade it. Ne- never. If Jesus prayed all night, if according to Hebrews chapter five, it says that he offered up fervent cries to him that was able to save him from death, it says fervent cries. And Luke went in the garden of Gethsemane. It says being in agony, he prayed the more earnestly. It didn't say he prayed less earnestly. He prayed the more. And so until we get to that place to whether I'm sick, I pray. I'm discouraged. I pray. I'm, I, I'm hurt. I pray. You won't be filled with the Holy Ghost as you ought to be. And you'll continue to live a life of defeat, of dismay, of discouragement, of doubt, of unbelief. Because you're filled up with faith in prayer. Amen. Hallelujah. Try try doing service for the Lord without praying. See how it works out. Okay, you don't want to pray? Just, all right, okay. Zero minutes. Go. Go ye therefore into all the world with zero minutes of prayer. <laughs> the demons will mock you. They'll say, look at this chump. Look at this sucker. Sucker. <laughs> try, try going on a hike with no food. With no water. Go ahead. I don't think you'll make it back. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> um, well, the Holy Spirit is, is said to be the rivers of living water. So how are you how are you going on the journey with no water? How are you going to make it? You're not. So, stop. 
stop manifesting in the flesh. Stop manifesting the old man when when you're told to to pray. Amen. Yeah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Because what happens when when you end up getting touched by the Holy Spirit? You're like, man, I didn't want to pray, but man, I ended up praying. I got so refreshed by the presence of God. Let that man dictate your decision whether or not you will love prayer or not. It's like, oh, yes, yes, I'm so glad I sought the Lord, right? I'm so glad that uh, I, I, I sought his face. Um, but it says, be strong and very courageous. And you can be courageous if you don't have faith. And faith in God, not faith in yourselves, not faith, you know, all that self-guru talk or whatever. Um, and you can't have faith if you're not in the Word, if you're not obeying the Word, and if you're not praying the Word. Amen. You have to do both. You have to be in the Word, but you have to pray the Word. Amen? What? Well, let's, um, where is this verse at? Watch, I'll show you. John chapter 15, verse 7. But keep your place there in Joshua. John chapter 15, verse 7. <clears throat> Jesus said, If you remain in me, in my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So, how does Jesus connect fruit bearing with word and prayer? Well, first of all, the word in the scriptures are described as the spermatos. That's the Greek word where we get the English word sperm or seed. Right? The word of the Lord, the Logos, the Logos or the Rhema, is described as the spermatos. It is planted on the fertile seed of your heart, begins to germinate, and produces fruit. Right? But here's, here's the thing, though. is people are never in the word, and they're wondering why their prayer lives are ineffective. It's because you're, only, you're praying your mind. You're not praying the mind of Christ. He says this very clearly, if you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Okay, how are the words of the Lord going to remain in you if you don't even know what it says? Right? It's like, yeah, I, I, I can't tell you one promise of God. Well, how are you praying the promises of God then? If you're not praying the promises of God, how are the promises of God coming to pass in your life? Amen. So you must first know His promises to pray His promises. So let me ask you this. What time do you devote to injecting the Word of the Lord in your heart? What time do you devote to injecting the seed of the Lord into your heart? And guess what? See, this is why a lot of people don't like submitting to, to, uh, to preaching. 
is because they don't want to be told that uh, the things that I love are wrong. Because it's easy for you to just not uh, read your Bible or it's easy for you to just read the passages that you like to read. Right? And so that's why when you're being preached to, you're coming under the word, submission to the word, and it's, it's chiseling off things out of your life and correcting your thinking and telling you what's wrong, telling you what's evil. And guess what? It, you, you might be tempted to feel bad. Right? And, and even have a godly sorrow, which, which is not to be repented of, as Paul said. Right? It's, it's a word. It's like going to the dentist, but spiritually. Right? Who likes going to the dentist? You get a root canal or cavity filled. I hate it real bad because it's like I have s sensitive gums and I, I, I hate it. It's horrible. I dread the dentist. But guess what? If you have a cavity or if you have a root canal that, that you need to uh, get you know taken out, well, what happens if you don't? That infection is going to spread. Yeah. And it's going to get worse. Wasn't that Paul say it spreads like gangrene? See, your sin will spread like gangrene. And so the word of the Lord it comes to reprove, to rebuke, to uh, exhort, to comfort, all of those things, right? <clears throat> but that same word the Lord wants you to keep in your heart. Like Mary says, Mary it says she cherished these things in her heart. Amen. But get you know, and and I, I. But what do some of us do? Maybe a, a a carnal man complimented you while you're at the store, like, oh, "Hey, girl, you look good." And then what? You start musing what he said, and you're keeping his words in your heart and your mind, and you're replaying them. Oh, he said what? <laughs> and the same, the same holds true for the man. Some girl complimented you on something, and now what? You're musing it. Or you're musing all of what she's saying. Oh, man, she said I look good. She said this, and she said that. Or how about uh, if someone spoke death over you? I'm going to kill you. You're going to die. You're nothing. And then now you're replaying those words. In, and so when you go to prayer, all you can seem to pray is death. Because you don't pray with faith. Or maybe Calvinism got in you. God condemned all to hell. You predetermined people to go to hell. So when I'm praying for lost people, like, I don't know if God's sending you to hell. Or, you know, you can't even pray with confidence. Right? Because you're jacked up now with Calvinism. How can I pray for this person's salvation if in my mind I'm, you know, Calvinism theology is playing in my mind, oh, maybe God predetermined you to hell. I don't know if I can pray for you. Right? So thoughts affect your prayer life. Do you see that? Let me, let me show you how another way theology affects your prayer life. Is, you know, for example, if Calvinism says that, see, here's the thing that people must understand. Your heart is not desperately wicked. 
Someone says, gasp, he's, he's contradicting scripture. Jeremiah, the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things who can know it. Okay, well, then why does Jesus say, blessed are the pure in heart? Amen. So which one is it? You have a pure heart, but a wicked heart? That sounds like a contradiction of logic. There's a law in logic. It's called the law of non-contradiction. And guess what? You just violated it. <laughs> Amen. The Spirit gives us new hearts. And so guess what? I'm not worthless. Guess what? I'm not wicked. Guess what? I'm not a worm. Amen. Amen. So, but guess what Calvinism teaches you? Your heart is wicked. All your righteous acts are filthy rags. So in other words, you, you can't do anything practically to please God. Which they don't pay attention to context, by the way, because that's not what he's suggesting. That Because wh why then did Noah find favor in the sight of God? Why did Abraham find favor in the sight of God? Why, why was like Noah's sacrifice when he erected an altar as a sweet aroma to the Lord? It wasn't a filthy rag. The Lord didn't say, oh, this, this filthy rag is a sweet aroma. He didn't say that. So now what happens is when you believe that, when you go to prayer, you feel like you're worthless. And it affects your relationship with God. Because you don't feel this boldness before God. Because you're inherently corrupt. You're just a wicked, filthy, rag-producing person. Do you see that? And and you, you, you're schizophrenic because on the one hand you say, oh, well, I'm accepted by Christ, but yet nothing I can ever do, well, God is pleased with it. No, that's a lie. Because God has purified your heart, he's made us uh, persons who can offer up acceptable sacrifices unto God. Does that make sense? Y'all have to get this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. <clears throat> Paul says, Therefore, having these exceeding precious promises, let us cleanse ourselves of all filthiness of the flesh and soul and spirit. So Paul would not command you to do something you cannot do. Amen. So if you can cleanse yourself of the filthiness of the flesh, spirit, and soul, guess what that means? You can have a clean soul, a clean flesh, and clean spirit. Amen. People say, oh, you know, um, you know, my flesh is so strong. Well, what are you, under the flesh or are you in the spirit? I'm being for real. You know, see, when people are not walking in the Spirit, the, the, the Christian life is a torment to them. Because they know they, they, they have to do things they can't do. But see, because you want to abide in the flesh, you can't do the things that God tells you to do that can only be accomplished spiritually. Does that make sense? Yeah. <clears throat> but Jesus says here, he says this, if my words remain in you, no, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, 
Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So you know why things that you wish aren't being done for you is because your your wishes are based upon your own thoughts and not upon the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So to what extent and degree is the word of the Lord shaping your desires? To what extent and degree are the, is the word of the Lord shaping your mind, shaping your desires, shaping your aspirations so that your prayers end up becoming what God wants to see in your life? You know, I, I, I was going, I, I was, I visited this prayer meeting some time back and it, the prayer meeting was almost as a shopping list. And I'm like, I get it, like, there's certain things that we personally need and all that stuff, but it's like, why aren't we praying for, uh, why aren't we praying against abortion, why aren't we praying for salvation, uh, you know, or gaining territory for the Lord, why aren't we praying for, you know, we're just praying, oh, my knee hurts, I'm just trying to make it through the day, I need to pray for that grace to make it, because my knee hurts, my back hurts, (laughs) Like, it's just your pain, right? That's all we're praying about, right? <laughs> oh, good Lord. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, 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 got, I got to testify. Good Lord, it been good. I got my, my, my breakfast this morning. Okay, but what, why don't you pray for some other stuff? <laughs> you got what you need. What's up with all the world? Right? Yeah. What about missions? What about... Uh, I don't know. Uh, people that are oppressed. Maybe the persecuted church. I don't know. Maybe just a hint. You consider that. <laughs> right? I'm being serious, though. I know, I know it's funny, but I'm being serious because well, well, how is it that we only pray about those things, but we're not praying for other people? Amen. Come on, somebody. You know, my, and I'm not saying don't pray for your car insurance, don't pray for, you know, to get married. I'm not saying don't pray for those things. But how about... How about stop just giving your burdens to God and take upon the burden of the Lord? Amen. See, we just want to give him our filthy burdens, our filthy burdens of sin. Let us just have you. But you don't want to take upon the burden of the Lord. How, how about you start becoming concerned about what God is concerned about? And then maybe, just maybe, he'll take care of what you want. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Amen. <clears throat> In fact, let, let's quickly turn there in James. Um, it's James chapter 4, verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires? Not the Holy Ghost's desires. Your desires. That battle within you. You desire but do not have. So you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want. 
So I manifest. <laughs> you know, I've seen this video. <laughs> this guy, he's like mocking manifestation. He's all manifest. He's all introducing manifest. He's all, he's all now I don't have to work. I can manifest. <laughs> But that's what people do when they don't get what they want. They manifest. Or they use witchcraft. Or they thieve. And they covet. And so they use all these other illegitimate means to try to get what God has promised them if they got right and did right and prayed right. Amen? But it says this. You desire but do not have so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. So first of all, there's a group of people, they don't ask at all. They just say, God is sovereign. You know, what will be is what will be. It's it's really Greco-philosophical thinking mixed with Bible. Because that's how the, the, uh, the Stoics thought. They thought everything was faded. So whether I turn left or right, it doesn't matter because what will be is what will be. Right? There's no point in really doing anything because the end conclusion result will always be the same no matter what I do. And that that philosophy has 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 uh, infiltrated our thinking, especially here in the West, so that we think that the decisions that we make don't have an impact on our destiny. It certainly does. So if I fail to pray, guess what? The promises of God will fail to come to your life. Period. Right? God isn't playing a game. He's not telling you to do something for it to not have any effect. Does that make sense? Amen. So he says, you do not ask God. But now here's the second group of people. When you ask... You do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Right? See, people are like, oh Lord, I need a, I need a wife. But they don't, they don't really care to spend time with God. In fact, the only time that they do spend time with God is when they're asking that stuff. They're asking those things. Right? Or if God did give you what you've been praying for, it would take you away from Him. You know, um, or like, God, give me a raise. Oh, I need a raise. And He gives you a raise. And you don't sacrifice anything that you get financially. It's all about your life. You don't pay tithes. You don't, you don't give to mission. It's just about you. What? So why is, why is the Lord just... So why is it all about us, right? Why is it just about us being lavished? Yeah, the Lord wants to bless. The Lord wants to give. But here's the thing. If you don't put God's desires first... You ain't going to get anything. Amen. Amen. Is it not what Jesus said? He says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. 
And, and so we have to understand that disobedience will, will make ineffective our praying. Yeah. <clears throat> right? It's, it's, not, it's not my word. It's, it's the word of the Lord. It says very clearly. It says there are certain people that are asking they're not getting what they're asking because, because of their selfish motives. Or someone's like asking, oh God, um, make, make me a teacher of the word. Why? So people can look at me. Right? God, give me a beautiful singing voice. Why? So people can applaud me and compliment me. No. Right? Amen. So, now now notice it says, verse 4, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. See, in, in Luke 11, where Jesus gives a parable of the friend that goes to another friend at midnight, he knocks on the door and asks for bread. See, you can't get from God if you're not a friend with God. Yeah. So when you're choosing to love the world and be at enmity with God, don't think that you'll have God's hand as a friend. Amen. Does that make sense, uh, saints? You know, I, you know, I have uh, some friends that who's, you know, grew up, like some friends from the world that grew up as maybe from parents that were religious and stuff like that, and they're gangsters, and so obviously they're living a wicked lifestyle, but they'll have like a gold watch, they'll be like, you know, they might take a certain picture next to like their car, they're like, blessings from God, or something like that, <laughs> it's like, that's not, God's not blessing you. You're at enmity with God. Gotta thank the man upstairs. You're doing that stuff yourself. God isn't blessing you. Also, you know what? Satan can quote unquote bless you. Right? Satan has no problem, quote-unquote, blessing you. It's sad. I, I've seen sisters. I've seen brothers like, oh, God blessed me with this person. I'm like, uh, no. The devil put that person in your path. They're like, you don't understand. I understand that you're lukewarm now. You don't pray now. You forgot about anything godly now. So it remind me how God blessed you with that. God didn't bless you with that. The Bible says in Proverbs, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and he adds no sorrow to it. Amen. So why are you now, why are you in bondage now? Right? But Jesus said, again, going to John 15, that his words have to remain in us. 
that if what and and as if if his words remain in us we can ask whatever we wish and what god will do it amen he says it will be done for you He doesn't say it might be done i'll think about doing it i'll pray about doing it (laughs) i'll pray about answering your prayers (laughs) No, he don't say that. He says, it will be done for you. He didn't, but guess what? He didn't say when. He didn't say how, and he didn't say when. Is that not in, in the word? What, what, is he, what does it say? It will be done? So let me ask you this. If you pray Jesus' will, will it be done? <coughs> Amen. In fact, um, but so again, our, our, now going back to, you know, uh, Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, uh, well, verse 8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. So in other words, how do you keep it always on your lips? You're praying it in your life. You're not allowing this book to depart from your lips, but you're praying. You're praying it. Hallelujah. It says, God, you shall supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. You say, Lord, I thank you right now in Jesus' name that you shall supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. Your word says that I am the head and not the tail. Lord, I thank you that I am not below, I'm not beneath. I'm the head, I'm not the tail. Lord, I thank you that your word says this, that I shall prosper in all my ways. Lord, I just thank you right now in Jesus' name. I pray for prosperity. That's how you keep the word of the Lord always on your lips. But what do we do? Oh, Lord, it is getting tough. It's getting getting hard. Oh, Jesus, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I just got to get through the day. Oh, Lord, do you see me around here? The fire's getting hot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. No, pray with faith. Pray with boldness. You know, some people... You know, there was this guy, he was praying. He was a brother. And he's praying like he's talking to someone. And, I, and we have our eyes closed. I'm like, you're talking to someone here. And it's like, there's no, there's no boldness. I'm not saying that you have to shout. I'm not saying that you have to elevate your voice. But when someone prays by the Holy Ghost, it doesn't sound like I'm talking to you. Again, it doesn't mean that you you, you have to shout or you have to work something. It doesn't mean that. No, I'm not saying that. But you can your voice can still be the same. But there is a difference. You know you're talking to a king. Amen. You're speaking to a king. Amen. So we're not saying, oh, Jesus, we just want to thank you today. We're so delighted to be in your presence. And uh, 
you know, it, it, it's a it's a uh, indifferent, lackadaisical sort of mentality that I'm just speaking to a buddy. You're not speaking to a buddy. Because the Bible, if you're speaking to a buddy, the Bible will give you that language. The Bible says you're speaking to a friend, right? But that, don't be mistaken. The Bible says, Jesus taught us, it says, Our Father which is in heaven... So all of our praying is ultimately conditioned by that. Not our Father on earth, our Father which is in heaven. So if the summation of your idea of who God is, is your buddy and pal, you don't know God. If, if the summation of your understanding of God is limited to that, you don't know God. Because God ain't just friend. He is ultimately king. He is ultimately Lord. And he calls the shots. And yes, that same Lord is our father. And so there is therefore an intimacy. But that intimacy is deep. It's beautiful. Right? And so, you know, we might, uh, uh, you know, someone might, you know, have a lower voice and that's fine someone has a higher voice but the point though is that there has to be a spiritual thrust and power behind the praying does that make sense i hope i make myself clear because i don't you know i'm not saying fake it to make it or anything like that or be someone you're not but people know the difference when and you know the difference when you're praying with the energy of the spirit Right, Amen. and when 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 you're just a or or as opposed to when you're just a carcass, right? There's nothing in you. And so, <clears throat> I hope that makes sense because I'm not here to just criticize because I'm not here to criticize people, uh, but I know. Like, okay, for example, I shared this thing in this group, uh, in the group one time. This guy said, uh, he was taught, he was expounding, I think it was on Psalm 77 or Psalm 88. And the guy, the psalmist says, I lift my hands uh, untiringly uh, all throughout the night with my prayer. And the guy said, he said, he prayed all night. He says, I can't pray five minutes. And he is a pastor. And, and I, I, I'm like, well, that's sad. You can't pray five minutes. Right? Can you talk to your wife five minutes? Or you can't do that either. I bet you can play five... I bet I bet you can play video games longer than five minutes. Or whatever your idol is, I bet you can go to the gym for about three hours. But you can't pray five minutes. And you're a pastor. How are you praying for your people? Amen. Oh Lord, I just want to thank you. I just want to ask that you bless them all in Jesus' name. Amen. Do a little Catholic thing too. <clears throat> no, man. No. That's not how that's not how blessings are that's not how you yield blessings in your life. Yeah. It doesn't come that way. No. Everything is predicated upon sacrifice. Sacrifice. 
praying, discipline, obedience. Amen. So, but look it. It says this. <clears throat> we'll be coming to a close shortly. It says, um, keep this book of the law always on your lips. So you're praying this law all the so if you don't know what to pray, brothers and sisters, find the promises of the Lord. Look, let, let me give you an example. Uh we uh, we'll go to a famous passage or we'll go back to Joshua, but let's say we're in like Psalm 23. <coughs> and it says uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Okay, let's start praying it. Lord, I thank you right now, God, that you're my shepherd. And Lord, I ask that you would uh, pastor my life, that you would direct me as a good shepherd does. I pray that I lack nothing, and that I shall possess all things that I need that pertain to life and godliness and all my financial needs. Then it says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I pray that there would be quietness in my soul, not turmoil and 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 then just keep going on he refreshes my soul he guides me along the right paths i pray that you would spare me from every wrong path every deceitful path i pray that every person that would seek to deceive me lord that you would remove them so i can go down right path so that's how you pray the word of the lord Amen. and you can do that with the psalms you can do that with the scriptures so <clears throat> prayer in tongues is is is, is Effective too, because you're praying the mind of God as you're praying in the spirit, as you're praying in tongues, right? And so, please don't allow anybody to ever downplay praying in tongues. If they do, their message ain't from the Holy Ghost. Why? What did Paul say? He says, "I pray in tongues more than you all." Why did he pray in tongues that long? Right. That's Bible. Why did Jesus pray all night? That's Bible. Okay, but secondly is to pray the scriptures. And so when we go back to Joshua, it says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Pray this law. And then guess what? You'll be finding, see what I love is when you're praying what God loves, he manifests his love to you. Amen. Look, watch, check this out. Jude chapter 1. <clears throat> Jude chapter 1 verse... I think it's... Uh, oh boy, where is this at? Uh, verse 20. <clears throat> But you, dear friends, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in God's love. You want to know how you keep yourself in God's love? Is praying in the Spirit. Amen. You see that? That's why Jesus says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you. Right? So there has to be some abiding. So you have to you have to keep Jesus' word in your heart and you have to abide in him as you pray. And as you pray, you continually keep yourself in the love of God. It's self-complimenting. Right? So you because it now notice, if you don't pray, guess what? Are you gonna abide in the love of God? 
So when we're praying his word and we're praying what God loves, guess what? God love God manifests his love to us. <coughs> but verse 8, Joshua 1, um, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. So it's imperative to do what God told you to do by meditating upon his word. Right? How do you know to do the word if you don't meditate on it? If you don't read the word? Right? Amen. Let me ask you guys, and this is just a rhetorical question. Are you guys reading the word? Are you guys reading his word? Are you meditating upon it day and night? What does it say in uh, Psalm chapter 1? Blessed is the man that meditates upon the law of the Lord day and night. <clears throat> but what does it say? Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of uh, sinners, nor, uh, nor, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, nor stands in the ways of the sinners. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Right? So what are you, are you standing in the way of sinners? In other words, are you keeping company with them? Are you sitting in their seats? Are you receiving counsel from them? You know, I remember I seen this like Instagram reel. He says, it, it was like, it says, uh, when one of your friends is a, an unbeliever, but they're trying to sound deep, and you're a Christian, he says, how'd it go? But he was just trying to give like, trying to give like spiritual advice, but he was obviously an unbeliever. And it just sounded ridiculous. The point that I'm making is that you can't expect to get light from those who sit in darkness. Right? Amen. They sound like Joe Biden. You go to a friend, oh man, I don't know what to do. I don't know, man. It just is what it is. Thanks. It is what it is. Thank you. I needed that. <laughs> oh, girl, you know things going to be all right. For real? How do you know that? I, j girl, trust me. I have, have I ever been wrong before? <laughs> right? <laughs> that's how they talk. That's, how, that's what they say. Well, there ain't no scripture, ain't no word, ain't no prayer, ain't no, nothing directing you in the will of God. It's just, ah, it's going to be all right. In fact, they, they might very well lead you to sin. You know, some decent lost people like, oh, let's go get a cup of coffee but or Starbucks or whatever. Let's go get some mochas or something to eat. But the others are going to say, hey, you know, hey, just drink one. Hey, just, you know, smoke this blunt. <clears throat> and the real out there ones like, hey, you know, snort a line or hit, take a pop of this pill or whatever. This is dangerous stuff, right? When you're sitting in the seat of the scornful. Um... Anyways, so 
Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be then you will be prosperous and successful. So people are wondering why am I not prosperous? Why is there no success in my life? And by the way, you know, people say, "Oh, you know, I'm anti-gospel, what does it say? I'm anti-prosperity gospel." Well, so I get I get who they're thinking about. They're thinking about a lot of people that exploit the gospel. But 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 biblically, God is not anti-prosperous. He says he says right here that the condition for our prosperity and success is our keeping of the word of God. Amen. So no, we're not trying to use the word of God to exploit people to be live these lavish lifestyles, but do not be mistaken that 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 God is against you prospering. So let me get this straight. I I come to Jesus and the condition of my the the effect of me coming to Jesus is that I will prosper in nothing. Is that what you're saying? So I come to Jesus and now all the principles of scripture that are right, that are just, that are lovely, if I implement that in my life, you you mean to tell me I'm a fail in everything? Then why do we come to God? Yes, for salvation. But see, here's the thing. Is God, see, people are so heavily minded, they're no earthly good. They're always thinking about eternity. As if God intends for your life to be hell on earth. He doesn't intend for life to be hell on earth. He intends for it to be heaven on earth. Your will be done in heaven, uh, on earth, as it is in heaven. Is that not what Jesus asked you to pray? So then why is it that we expect hell on earth when Jesus expected heaven on earth? Amen. Come on, somebody. Why is it that Jesus is still in the healing business? Why is Jesus still in the miraculous working business? Why is Jesus still in the provision working business? Why is he still own a cattle on a thousand hills? Why is it that this is the reflection of the great, our great God and Savior? But what does the devil do? He seeks to destroy you, to molest you, to ruin your life. Jesus did not come to ruin your life. Amen. You know, I remember Paul Washer said something like, Oh, well, you know, um, even if God, you know, God commanded me to repent, and to place my faith in him and sent me to hell for a thousand years, he would be just in doing so. Now, I'm not going to get into all that speculation, but the point, though, is this. is There's this overemphasis upon um, let, me, let me phrase it this way. God doesn't intend for you your life to be worse by coming to him. Do you understand that? God doesn't intend for your life to become worse by coming to Him. So that if your life is worse, there's something wrong. Guess what? My life didn't become worse. Right? I used to sleep on the streets. I used to be so uh, uh, drugged out to where people hated me. My own friends hated me. I had felonies on my records. 
I was on probation. I got locked up, arrested several times. I was a no good. And, well, am I that way anymore? No, there's stability in my life. There's reliability in my life. There's provision in my life. There's joy in my life. There's peace in my life. Right? Is it because of me? No, it's because the Lord has been good. Amen. Amen. The Lord has been good. He has been merciful. He has been gracious. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And what does the Bible say in James? The same Lord is rich unto all. He's rich unto all. Does it say he's poor unto all? Or he's rich unto some? So we have to start believing this Bible and stop believing what these theologians say. Amen. You know, people keep saying, you know, oh, poverty's coming to America. Well, why haven't it happened? You're all soon see. You'll see real soon. I I don't see it. I've been hearing it a long time. And even if it does, the Bible says that young lions do uh, grow hungry and lack, but those who trust in the Lord shall lack no good thing. Amen. So are we going to believe doomsday preachers or are we going to believe Bible? Oh, but you don't understand the economy. It's shaking. It's shattering. It, you know. <laughs> so, so are you? Are you, is your is your citizenship on earth or in heaven? See, people felt people fail to understand that when it says your citizenship is in heaven, he doesn't mean oh wait until you get to heaven, then you'll get the treasures of heaven. No, what he's talking, even though that's true, the sources that we have on earth are from heaven. Amen. They're sourced from heaven, so it doesn't matter what our economy looks like in America, in Africa, in Europe. It doesn't matter what the economy is like. God will provide because we are sourced from heaven, not on earth. Amen. We're sourced from heaven. So right now I'm drawing strength from heaven, drawing joy from heaven, drawing peace from heaven, drawing provision from heaven, drawing finances from heaven. It's not easy believism. It doesn't mean that you don't do anything. It means you pray, you obey, and you sacrifice. Amen. Amen. <coughs> That's the word of the Lord. It don't lie. It don't return void. But it says, you know, uh, then you'll be prosperous and successful. Now watch, look, go to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30. See, a lot of witches and warlocks and gangsters are asking, you know, uh, are wondering, some genuinely, what if I do come to your God? What will happen? Will he take care of me? 
because some people they got their warlock services their wit their sorcerer services and they're wanting to know hey i got all this family to, i got this family is god going to take care of me is your god because the god that they're serving is taking care of them so to speak or so they think David says, I, I'm young, but now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging bread. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Amen? I remember some time back we were ministering to this gangster, and he's like, he was saying, because he had a gun, and, you know, he was in church, we were ministering to him, he's like, you know, what happens if I put the gun down? Is that what you're saying? You know, how am I going to protect myself? And, you know, I was able to say, well, that gun might jam. What happens if you're outnumbered and they have more guns than you? But your trust should be in the Lord because he's a deliverer. He's a rescuer. Amen. So it's not, it's not that you know, hey, your faith in God is ineffective or it doesn't result in anything. No. In every need that you have, there's an answer in Christ. Amen. <clears throat> but First uh, Samuel chapter 30. Um, hold on. Hold on real quick. Yeah, it's chapter 30, uh, verse 8. <coughs> Look what it says. <clears throat> uh, well, let's begin at verse 7. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, Bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord... Shall I pursue this raiding party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. Okay. So what did the Lord promise him? He promised him success. But here's one thing that we must learn from David if we want the success that David had is that David didn't presume on his own thoughts. He had inquired of the Lord. See, the problem with people in the church today is that they're not inquiring from God. And even if they do inquire and pray and seek His face, they don't intend on actually obeying what the Lord says in response. Lord, is this woman for me? No. Well, I'm going to marry her anyways. I've seen this uh, Instagram reel where it says, uh, he was singing, he says, Take me deeper than my feet can ever wander, or my faith will be made stronger. And he's like, in the presence of my Savior, and he says, take me, I think it says so somewhere in the song, basically take me somewhere, I don't know. Uh, but, and then, and then there's an angel, and there's the Lord in heaven, and then the Lord said, uh, you know, basically go here. And then he's like, uh, and he just starts singing more. He starts singing the song more. And then the angel's just looking like, is he going to obey? And, and well, the Lord says it again. 
and he and then he ends up turning that song off and putting a different song on. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to hear this. <laughs> and the angels like looking with big, uh, uh, you know, big eyes, like, Lord, do you see that? <laughs> but <clears throat> we have to have that heart that's willing to. Listen to the Lord. Amen. It, what does it say in Joshua? That you may, you know, be strong, very courageous. In, that we have to, me, you know, allow this law not to depart from our lips. To meditate on it. To obey it. And as we obey it and we pray it. What does it promise us? Prosperity and success. So you know what that means? If you do what the Lord tells you to do. And you obey him. You shouldn't have a failed marriage. You shouldn't have a failed career. Is it going to be easy? No. But there shall... Because what is the opposite of success? It's failure. Right? Okay, you don't believe success in the Lord. So let me get this straight. When I come to Jesus, I can expect failure. Is that what you're saying? Just carry it to its logical conclusion. That's what you're saying. That God produces people who fail. Or people who produce failure. Right? It's just that <clears throat> we don't like the sound of it because it sounds too good. And we actually expect less from God because our faith is bad or our theology is bad. Right? And so, um, but look at David. Look at what, look at what was the results of his life. When he obeyed the Lord, he defeated all of his enemies. Right? Is that not true? Man. And this is the last verse. It's in First John. Okay, first John chapter three, <clears throat> chapter three, verse twenty through twenty two. <clears throat> this is what the word of the Lord says. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and receive from Him anything we ask, because we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. Do you see that? So what does it say in uh, Joshua chapter 1? That we are to obey, the, to meditate upon the law of the Lord day and night, to be courageous and, and strong and to do all that He has commanded and we shall find prosperity and success in all our ways? Well, right here it's telling us that one of the ways <clears throat> that we have boldness and confidence between before God is that we keep His commands and do what pleases Him. If we do that, 
we shall ask anything we desire and it shall be given us. Similar to what Jesus said in John chapter 15, If my words remain in you and you abide in me, ask whatsoever you desire and it shall be done for you. So guess what? That means if you're obeying the Lord, if you're walking in purity, you're putting his kingdom first, seeking his kingdom first, that you shall pray and have whatsoever you desire. Amen? But but there are some people that are like those in James. They just ask to fulfill their selfish motives. They have not, even though they ask. Because when they ask, they ask amiss. They ask selfishly. Do you see that? Oh, come on, saints. Y'all here? <coughs> Are you asking selfishly? <clears throat> um, asking for a, a, a new uh, phone and you won't even play worship music on it? Right? Asking for faster internet, but you won't come to Zoom prayer? <laughs> All right. Asking for, uh, you know, asking for new furniture, but you won't get one for a library? For books? I'm not saying you have to get books, but you know, you get the point that I'm trying to make is everything that we get, we ended up not using it for the Lord. <clears throat> ask for a new uh, ask for a new room, but you won't make it into a prayer room. Amen. Oh Lord, I I, I want to just have a decorative room. Right? But it ain't for God, it's just for decoration. Right? We have to we have to keep the Lord first. Amen. And and <clears throat> here's the thing with the people who end up getting what they want, they end up forgetting the Lord. <clears throat> they end up forgetting God. You, you can't you can't treat God like a, um see he, here's how people treat the Lord well they they, they want to treat him like a neighbor to just stop in whenever the neighbor cooks and just go home right but they're, they're not trying to live there and contribute there does that make sense Oh, I, I smell them good tacos. You making tacos today? I thought I'd just stop by. You know, I'm kind of hungry. Got got some extra? Oh, ah, nice, right? And then you you sit down, you eat, and then you just all right later. But you see, people are like that, 
It's like this term in the world called friends with benefits. People just want to stay friends and just benefit from what you know from that, but they don't want commitment. Do you see that? They will only they they, they will the, the reason why is because it's convenient for them. It's easy for them. Right? And you don't have to you don't have to stay committed, you don't have to stay loyal. But what the Lord is asking is is true friendship, true uh, to be a to be yoked together with him. Amen. That means if you're yoked, you can't go wherever you want to go. You can't do whatever you want to do. Amen. Amen. And so we see confidence in prayer is is available because of our keeping of the Lord's commands. You can't be living in outright disobedience and expect to have the Lord's favor. And it says uh, also in the 5th chapter, 14th verse, This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him. And so, as we come to uh, an end, um, my challenge to us is, well, are we abiding in the Word? Is the Word abiding in our hearts? Are we keeping the Word? Are we praying the Word? Right? Are we submitting to its correction? Or are we saying, you know what, Lord, I, I, I just want to do what I want to do. And I'll just pray whenever I get in trouble, hey, God, take me out. Right? But when times are good, I have no intention on continuing to be obedient. Amen? So let the word of the Lord bring correction to us. Let the word of the Lord guide our lives. Let it be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. That means if the word of the Lord shines light and says, go this direction, you better go that direction. Don't go the opposite. Don't do what you want to do, how you want to do it, when you want to do it. Do what God says to do, when he says to do it, how he says to do it. And if you don't know if God said it, don't do it. Right? David didn't say, oh look, God has given me all these victories. I'm, I'm just this handsome, strong soldier, right? With all this great resume, God got my back for this next one. No, he didn't say that. He inquired of the Lord. Amen. God, do you want me to do this? And see, sometimes people do things, see, they're so impatient that they'll do it uh, (coughs) even though they don't know if God spoke. Remember Saul? Samuel said, hey, don't sacrifice. Wait till I get here. And then what what Saul do? Samuel was delaying, and so Saul ended up taking matters into his own hands. Seconds after, Samuel appeared, and God rejected Saul. See, some of us get so impatient. We're like, no, 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 no. You know, I I got it. I got it. I got it. What else am I gonna do? And then, and then right after you do it, then God's deliverance for you comes. Should have waited. Right? 
Amen. If you don't wait, your 40 days will turn into 40 years. Amen. So if you don't wait on God for 40 days, He's going to make you wait for 40 years. Right? So either way, you're going to wait. Amen. It's better to wait a shorter span. Right? So let us uh, close in prayer.